the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the Daily Show Prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. And I remember two weeks ago, I couldn't say, I hope you had a good weekend. Actually, you know what I should have said? I hope you didn't have a good weekend. It takes a tremendous amount of willful ignoring of horror to have had a good weekend two weeks ago. More is coming out. Do you know that I have never mentioned that Israeli babies were decapitated because I, I have not seen any photos? Extremely serious sources have said that they, that they know that babies were, that Jewish babies were decapitated. Frankly, I believe that they would do it. There's no, there's, there would be no moral or religious reason for them not to do it. Remember the way they treated... What was the name of that, that group of women in Iraq of a, 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 of a religion related to Islam but not Muslim? Yazidis. Yazidis, that's right, the Yazidis. What was, done, what was done to those women? Well, now we have this I can report that there is now all this forensic evidence that has come out that uh, some of the women uh, who were at that music festival... Uh, were not only raped, they were gang raped, and so violently that their pelvises were damaged. And all this while uh, laughing, the reports that I get, the they're coming out, the laughter, these are sadists, religious sadists. I, it's, that I think is unique, that you believe that you are doing God's will while inflicting excruciating suffering. Now you'll say, well, didn't that happen during the Spanish Inquisition? Well, I don't know how much they enjoyed it. It did happen. It was over the course of centuries, I think 2,000 people were killed People think it is in in the millions. The, these were these. This was evil in the name of God, or God as they understood God. Let's put it that way. So it has happened, but in the world today, it is uh, the seems that Muslims have a monopoly on religious sadism. Now, do most Muslims partake in this? No. But where it is partaken in, it seems to be Muslim. What is most disconcerting is the support that Muslims around the world have uh, 
uh, for Hamas. That's, that's what's remarkable. There's a report on that today, including in the United States. Majority of Muslim Americans believe Hamas was justified, quote-unquote, in its terror attacks against Israel, Daily Wire reports. The poll from Signal, C-Y-G-N-A-L. Are you familiar with Signal? Surveyed over 2,000 people from October 16th to 18th to gauge the public's overall awareness and attitudes about what was happening in Israel. So, a majority overall, this is, now, I assume this is of Americans, have a positive opinion of Israel. That, in, in and of itself, is disturbing. It shows you how effective the left has been in demonizing Israel. If you say it's an apartheid state often enough, and Jimmy Carter was the, uh, was the liar who first engaged in that, is an amazing thing it's that, that he did that. And that. He even wrote a book about that. Paid no price, because you can't pay a price on the left. Paid no price with Jews, to the best of my knowledge. Anyway, 50 points. So half of Americans have a positive attitude compared to 12% who have a negative opinion. 37% were neutral. I'd like to ask the neutral, why, why, why don't you have a, a positive opinion? I understand the 12%, and, and that's a small number, which is good. The two groups that have had the highest negative views of Israel were Muslim Americans at 36.5 and Democrats at 15.7. So a third of uh, Muslims have a negative view. I, th- I assume it's more, but... That's what I'm reading to you. The groups that had the largest positive views of Israel were Jewish Americans at 85% versus less than 5% negative, and Republicans at 64.9%, less than 9% negative. Hmm. The results showed that Muslim Americans were far less educated about numerous aspects of the atrocities committed by Palestinian terrorists than Jewish Americans. For example, only 10.8% of Jewish Americans were, quote, not aware of the fact that Hamas had decapitated babies, uh, which, as I said, I have I've not seen the proof of. I believe it happened, but I, I, I am crazed about only reporting to you what I know to be true. To 34%. Anyway, overall, the m- overwhelming majority of Americans strongly said that Israel had the right to defend themselves against Hamas. So, Hamas is viewed by the majority of Americans as the same as Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, and ISIS. Muslim Americans mostly agreed, but they, quote, slightly over-index for saying Hamas is not as bad as each of the other three terrorist organizations. One concerning finding was that the majority of Muslim Americans, 57.5%, said that they agreed that, quote, Hamas was justified in attacking Israel as part of their struggle for a Palestinian state. That is the key finding in this in this survey, in this poll. 57% of Muslim Americans said Hamas was justified. 
I was roundly attacked, which, as I tell you, has zero effect on me, except on occasion it's positive, because when people who are contemptible have contempt for you, it's a good sign. It's like when people who are good like you, that's a good sign. Anyway, I wrote at the time that it was a monumental mistake, of course, led by Germany and Europe, because Angela Merkel was a fool, on energy and on immigration, two of the biggest issues. Those are existential issues. 100,000 marched in London on behalf of Hamas. 100,000. If you say on behalf of Palestinians but not Hamas, you have, desi- you have determined to lie to yourself. I, there's nothing I can do about that. Any anti-Hamas demonstrations by Muslims anywhere on earth? Anywhere on earth? It's a very, very large number of people. The number of Muslims in the world. Was there one? I've asked this now all of my adult life. Why aren't there any demonstrations against Muslim horrors? What they did in Iraq, remember when they just took a group of Egyptians and cut their throats? Does this not matter? The rape of Yazidi women, does this not matter? Can you imagine if Christians did this in the name of Christianity or Jews in the name of Judaism? Do you have any Christian demonstrations against them? You know how many Jewish demonstrations against such Jews there would be? Instead, groups like CARE, whose uh, moral compass doesn't exist, I can't even say it's broken, I don't believe it has one, and they they partner uh, with all these left-wing organizations on behalf of all the democratic organizations various democratic administrations who look to care for work for fighting Islamophobia. I said at the time after 9-11, given what was done on 9-11, it is staggering how little Islamophobia there was. Islamophobia. The biggest hatred against religion right now, and I've said this for years too, is against Christianity. But there's no word for it, because the left writes our dictionaries. Back in a moment. Gold dealers are a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. What sets these companies apart, and whom can you really trust? This is Dennis Prager for AmFed Coin and Bullion, my choice for buying precious metals. When you buy precious metals, it's imperative that you buy from a trustworthy and transparent dealer that protects your best interests. So many companies use gimmicks to take advantage of inexperienced gold and silver buyers. Be cautious of brokers offering free gold and silver, or brokers that want to sell you overpriced collectible coins, claiming they appreciate more than gold and silver. What about hidden commissions and huge markups? Nick Grovich and his team at AmFed always have your back. I trust this man. That's why I mentioned him by name. Nick's been in this industry over 42 years, and he's proud of providing transparency and fair pricing to build trusted relationships. If you're interested in buying or selling, call Nick Grovich and his team at AmFed Coin and Bullion, 800-221-7694. AmericanFederal.com. AmericanFederal.com. 
1.8 billion Muslims. I looked it up. My, uh, the richest story, I can't say my favorite because it's, it's so depressing. But the richest story is, is in the New York Times. And the same, same thing, front page, it's the, it's the widest headline in the front page of the Los Angeles Times. Some on U.S. left, quote, let us down, unquote, after Hamas's attack. Many American Jews feel betrayed by erstwhile allies. Our human ask is that people give a damn when we die, a rabbi says. I really have to watch my words here. I do. I don't, I don't often say that. Because I'm so angry at these left-wing Jews, because I am a Jew, and because they they traded in Judaism for leftism. I'm not talking about liberal Jews. I have no issue with them, except that they don't know that the left is their enemy, but that's true for every almost every liberal. They think conservatives are their enemy, not the left. But left-wing Jews, they like awakening to the fact that the left is scummy. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's like the people who supported the communists uh, in Russia. And then they got killed by, by the communist government, by the communist state. How could this happen? How does this happen? We were good communists. And I'm not saying these Jews are good communists. I'm saying that this idea that you're betrayed by the left has long roots. Oh, how could that be? Gee, I made a list here of a few of the things that apparently my my fellow American Jews were not troubled by who were on the left. Oh, yes, let's see. Open borders, that, that didn't trouble you? That wasn't enough to say, wow, maybe I'm not a leftist? They're destroying the country through vast numbers of unregulated immigration of millions, including without question terrorists. How could it not? It's so easy to get in. They were okay with women having to compete with men who say they're women in sports. That didn't alienate my fellow American Jews who were on the left. They could. They dealt with that. That. They didn't question, gee, maybe we're on the wrong side. Censorship, the staggering amount of censorship, the lying deep state, 51 intelligence people saying that the, uh, saying that the Biden laptop was Russian disinformation, that didn't alienate them from the left, knowing that lying is essential to leftism. If truth were a left-wing value, there would be no left. <laughs> there was a new article, by the way, talking about this. You have no idea, and there's no reason you would, but virtually every mainstream publication in the U.S. has attacked PragerU in the last few months. Every day I get in Google Alerts a new attack. So the latest one, I don't even remember where it was, some some uh, woman wrote it, and she simply wrote lies. I mean, she made up things about PragerU and put them in the article. When was the last time we had members of, of the family that were frackers uh, on the board? Said they, they still have members of that, uh, of that family on their board. Four years ago? Yeah. yeah, it hasn't been true for four years. 
the the number of articles that write uh, it was it, it's uh, funded by the articles that PragerU was funded by the by the oil industry, and specifically by uh, the by these frackers family involved in fracking. By the way, fracking is one of the gifts uh, to modern life. I am proud to have any fracker who wants to support PragerU. You do good for the country. Only the fanatics of the green, green fanatics, which is a fully redundant term, find what you do offensive. It is safe. It is, it is cleaner. But anything to do with fossil fuel renders you evil in the simpleton world of the left. They, they, they have given us approximately, I don't know, what would you say, 2% of the money we have ever raised? Is that a fair number? I'm just I'm just grabbing. Yeah, I don't, I don't, it's hard to. Three percent. It, it, it's, it's but you read this stuff and you think we're, we're an arm of the fossil industry. It's a tiny, a minuscule aspect. And by the way, proud of having fracking companies if they want to fund us. We we are fine with that. So uh, anyway, I'm just I'm only noting that because this doesn't this hasn't bothered the uh, Jews on the um, the American left. All of a sudden, when the left shows how despicable it is in in, in uh, its reaction to the horrors the uh, the Nazi behavior of of the Palestinians, all of a sudden, yes, that's the headline. Someone you was left left us let us down let you down you thought the left was good oh god the naivete is is inexcusable adults shouldn't be naive oh you were okay with america systemically racist you were okay with defund the police and other left wing positions that have ruined the cities of this country that was okay. Now, all of a sudden, the left stinks. The left is despicable. The left has no decency. Yes. Oh, Black Lives Matter, another, another heroic group that uh, Major League Baseball would put BLM on, on, uh, on the pitcher's mound. Remember that? And now... Left-wing American Jews are disappointed. When the government used emergency edicts during COVID to restrict the gathering and worship of churches, three pastors facing the risk of imprisonment, unlimited fines, and their own churches being ripped apart, took a courageous stand and reopened their doors in the face of a world that chose to comply. The Essential Church is a feature-length documentary that explores the struggle between the church and government throughout history. This fascinating story uncovers those who've sacrificed their lives throughout history for what they truly believe in. We discover why the church is essential and how we prove that this stand remains true from a scientific, legal, and most importantly, biblical perspective. This is not your typical movie. It'll change your life. You need to see this movie with your friends and family. The Essential Church is streaming today exclusively at SalemNow.com. That's Essential Church, streaming at SalemNow.com. 
I have Dinesh D'Souza on the line. He has now created another extremely important film, and it is called Police State. And tragically, it's not about East Germany or China or Russia or Iran. It's about the United States. It's hard to believe that a movie titled that could actually be made and be accurate. I never would have foreseen this. But it's true, and it's a warning. I congratulate you, Dinesh, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Dennis. It's, uh, as you sort of insinuated, not something to be happy about that we are at this juncture but um, I thought that there are so many threads here, so many features of police states that are observable right around us that it was time to pull the threads together and, and issue uh, a, a very urgent warning. What, one of the things that you do that I love because I, I want to learn, I, that's how I measure to other talk shows, am I learning something? You asked the $64,000 question in your film, what are the beginnings of the police state in the United States? So I'd like to go over that with you because it will be fascinating. Uh, and it's, I want to delve into that. So you mentioned Waco and Ruby Ridge. Is that the genesis? Are they the genesis? No, I think that those are two early sort of flashpoints. And um, you recall, Dennis, that recently when Hillary Clinton said that the MAGA Republicans are like cult members, and she thought that some kind of formal deprogramming might be warranted, it flashed my mind back to the 90s and to Ruby Ridge. And I thought, you know, when those horrific events unfolded, and I remember watching them kind of mesmerized, buildings on fire, I mean, families being roasted alive, but a little part of me kept saying, and I think a lot of Americans kept saying, well, those people were kooks. Those people were cult members. God knows what they were doing at that ranch. And so the dehumanization of those guys at, 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 Ruby, at, at Waco was a prelude to the horrific events that happened to them. And I thought of that when I heard Hillary Clinton, because I thought, you know, it's not just that she's exaggerating. Some people were like, there she goes again, basket of deplorables. I think that she was very consciously dehumanizing her political opponents. And we know from history, we know from police states around the world, it's dehumanization that can lead to ostracism, that can lead to incarceration. Of course, in the Nazi case, could lead to extermination. So this is taking things down a very bad road. Right. So, so I was surprised, but not troubled. I just, I, I thought you would say Waco and Ruby Ridge were the beginning. So what, where do you think it did begin? Dennis, I think it really began after 9-11. And mm -hmm. it began after 9-11 because so many of us, me included, said that we need to enhance the powers of the police agencies of government. This is just not normal detective work. There's a crime. You then go find out who did it. You got to prevent these things from happening in the future. And so some of the old 
distinctions, which were there for a purpose, between, say, intelligence gathering on the one hand and criminal prosecution on the other. These all began to come together. Uh, also, the FBI and the CIA began to work more closely together. Remember, the FBI works inside the United States. The CIA, for the most part, works abroad. But suddenly, the CIA was collaborating with the FBI. So all of this happened after 9-11. And, um, and it was given, these powers were given to the government with the specific purpose of going after foreign terrorists. Little did we know that, you know, a decade later, starting under Obama, but now ramping up under Biden, these very same police powers would be turned in a chilling and nasty way against Republicans and patriots and conservatives and Christians. So I think that the powers were given to the government uh, after 9-11, Obama realized I can turn these a very different way. And this has now become has been ramped up under Biden. So we're going to continue. The movie opens tonight in 700 theaters around the country. How do people go and get tickets? There's only one way to get tickets. Uh, you cannot get them from Fandango. Don't just go to the theater looking for a ticket. Go to policestatefilm.net. Policestatefilm.net. All right, hold on. Your right. It'll pull up the theaters. Good. Okay, and it's all, all the connection is also up at DennisPrager.com. Back in a moment. And Dinesh D'Souza is back. Police State is the film. It's a very important film. Again, you can see it. Um, let's. What is it? Wednesday night and Thursday night? Oh no! T- what is it? Tonight and Tuesday night? W- w- tell me exactly. Dennis, it's showing on only two nights tonight, which is the twenty third, and Wednesday the twenty fifth. So two days in the theater, and then Friday the twenty seventh is the virtual premiere. If you want to watch from home, and the tickets are all at the same place, policestatefilm.net. Right, policestatefilm.net. And uh, you should you should see it, and you should so, show support uh, to Dinesh for making this. The roots uh, that you believe, and is, you make a very powerful case for it, are the the powers that were given to. Now, let me be. Let's be very specific. The FBI and the CIA, wh- who were given powers that they didn't have prior to nine eleven. Right after 9-11, George Bush brought the intelligence agencies together and faulted them for not foreseeing the attack and for not communicating with each other. The CIA was picking up signals abroad, but they weren't communicating with the FBI domestically. And of course, the new agency that was created, which was the, the TSA and the DHS, the Department of Homeland Security. Many times when people come to me now and they say, how are you making a film about the FBI? I'm like, guys, the DHS is 20 times bigger than the FBI. And there's massive censorship, massive political targeting that goes through DHS and not just the FBI. Now, it's important that people understand you're you're seeking the truth. After all, George W. Bush was a Republican. So that's the great irony. The great irony, Dennis, is not only that Bush was a Republican, but many of us, the very people that were enthusiastic about giving the government these enhanced powers are now stunned to find out that they classify us as the domestic equivalent of Al Qaeda and ISIS uh, and Hamas. 
So there has been, and Christopher Ray has been quite open about this in testimony. He goes, the greatest threat, greatest threat facing the country is domestic terrorism. And then this is his, his new word, domestic extremism. And in that category, I mean, Dennis, you'll be astonished. Uh, Prager U, Turning Point, uh, Breitbart, the Heritage Foundation are specifically named in charts. We, we have all this in the film as the kind of extremism that leads almost inexorably to terrorism. Yeah, you mentioned it. Who, who put out that pyramid of domestic extremists? It was put out by the Department of Homeland Security. This was one of their sort of strategy briefing sessions, and they made a really simple chart, which was kind of the tiers. There's a fourth tier, which is basically the baseline, and then it leads to a third tier. So all the conservative groups that you and I would name are in tiers three and four, supposedly then leading to tiers one and two when you start blowing up airlines and blowing up the Pentagon and so on. That's right. No, you you mentioned PragerU in it, as, uh, and I only note that because the thought that PragerU or any of these lead people to do violence is sick. It's just, it's so wholesome, the product that we produce, but it doesn't matter. You, they now have the power to completely politicize the most powerful I guess the most powerful institution in the government, the DHS. Is that fair to say? I think it is fair to say. And the other thing about it is a lot of these things have government-wide coordination. They call it, there's a phrase for it, it's something like an all-government solution, which means that what the DHS is doing cannot be done by DHS alone. The White House, the State Department, the Defense Department, the DOJ, all have to work in, in concert. And notice that this also happens with censorship. The typical way that censorship works is some academic may put you or me, Dennis, on a list, hand off that list to the government. They will sort it out. Dinesh is spreading you know, lies about the election. That goes to the CISA group, uh, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency. Dennis is spreading lies about COVID. That goes to the CDC. And so all these agencies wow. have their lists. And then that ultimately is fed via a middleman to the digital platforms. Who foresaw this? I didn't. I, I plead guilty, and I'm ashamed of myself. But uh, you had Rand Paul on speaking about his father, Ron Paul. Was he one of the few voices? One of the, one of the very few. I mean, I got to say, you know, I, I thought that the liberties and the Bill of Rights were pretty inviolable. Of course, the founders called them unalienable rights. I recognized from my youth that they were not rights up for political negotiation. So who would foresee the day when every single one of our basic rights, let's look at it, freedom of speech, freedom of conscience, right of assembly, right to petition the government, uh, equal rights and equal justice under the law. I mean, every single one of those rights now is in jeopardy. That's right. Are you familiar, and I don't expect that you might be, but it so concerns me, what is happening, to the best of your knowledge, with the, the argument going through the courts that the government cannot be in contact with social media about what to say? Oh, there's an update of that from yesterday, so I'm happy to provide it. The Supreme Court has weighed in, and the Supreme Court did something, in my view, slightly bad, but then there's also something very good. The slightly bad is that the Supreme Court lifted the injunction that an appellate court had put in place to forbid the Biden regime from engaging in this kind of 
uh, leveraging with the digital platforms. They said, you got to stay out of it. The Supreme Court said, all right, we're not going to make you do it right now. We're going to lift the injunction. But this is the good news. We are going to take up the case and decide the matter next spring. So, you know, it's not to me ideal because justice delayed is justice not denied. So many people have been censored. More people will be censored between now and next spring. But I really hope the Supreme Court comes down with the hammer really hard in the spring and basically delivers a drop kick to the police state. Again, folks, you can uh, see the movie tonight at, uh, give the website again. The website is policestatefilm.net, policestatefilm.net. Policestatefilm.net, and starting, it's up at uh, dennisprager.com, folks, if that's easier for you. Dinesh, will stay in touch. Thank you for making the film. Absolutely. Mike Lindell has a passion to help you get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop at the pillow. Mike also created the Giza Dream bed sheets. These sheets look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep, which is crucial for overall health. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's latest deal is the sale of the year for a limited time. You'll receive 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets, marking prices down as low as $29.98, depending on the size. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Podcasts Square, and use the promo code Prager. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow 2.0 mattress topper, MyPillow kitchen towel sets, and so much more. Call 800-761-6302 or go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code Prager. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. I remember Ray Breen, to some of you in Los Angeles, well, he had a national show, actually, but some of you in L.A. in particular will remember the name. He was on ABC Radio in L.A. for years, many years, from midnight to 5 a.m. And one year, I had a show from 9 to midnight, and at about 10.30, he would come in to the studio wheeling giant file cabinets. Did I ever tell you this? Yeah. <laughs> because it was it was pre-computer days. And it, to have a lot of information, you needed to have a lot of information. The reason I tell you about Ray Bream, may he rest in peace, he was a wonderful man. And obviously considerably older than me. And I asked him when I began my daily show. I had all, I had been on weekends for, let me see, three and five. Eight hours a weekend. Three hours Saturday nights, five hours Sunday nights. And I was nervous. So I said to him, Ray... You, you think I'll, I'll have something to speak about for three hours every night? <laughs> and he laughed. <laughs> he, had, he had something to say for five hours every night. You have no idea, my, my dear listeners, how many 
topics I I can't cover because I only have three hours. <laughs> it's 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 just remarkable, especially in my case because I talk about everything, and so I'm interested in everything. Uh, the thing I talk about least is actually politics. You know who who's ahead in the congressional race here, the latest intrigues in in the Republican Party. That I admit is not my expertise, and if I'm not, if I don't feel that I have a truly significant thing to say about something, I tend not to say anything about it. It's my obligation to you. All right. Anyway, I just thought about that because of the number of, of things to talk to you about today. The one that has captivated me, I began it in the first hour but uh, went to Dinesh D'Souza and his new important film opening tonight, which is Police State. It's an important film, unfortunately. And I am part of the problem because I supported all the efforts after 9-11 to expand government reach in finding and prosecuting Islamic terrorists. And I was wrong. Very few people realized that. I was wrong about one other thing that I remember, but I was a kid at the time, but I stayed supportive of it for nearly all of my life till, I don't know, within the last 10 years, I, I began rethinking it. Civil rights legislation because depriving blacks of the right to eat at a counter, to sleep in a hotel room, or anything else that Jim Crow laws did was so despicable. So needless to say, I supported the law not to discriminate on the basis of race. How could I have known? In in that case, I, I, I will admit, it, my mistake was more understandable than it was in supporting the Department of Homeland, uh, Homeland Security. Barry Goldwater, who was a founder of the NAACP in Arizona, he was so pro-civil rights for blacks, he opposed the civil rights legislation because he knew the expansion of government was dangerous. And now... You can't discriminate against men who say they're women. Yeah, that's right. Gender identity is now added to Vietnam-era status, religion, race, sexual uh, proclivity. Well, uh, the, the list is enormous. Yes, that, that, so that's what it does. There was an old saying by a czarist minister. Yeah, that's the czarist government. If you don't know what that means, you probably went to college. The czar preceded the communists before 1917 for centuries. They had a czar. Anyway, I don't. I think it was Nicholas. His, uh, his. One of his ministers, Papiedonostsev, had a statement about the Russian Empire to the Tsar. 
that which does not expand contracts. That really, in my studies, that was my field of studies, the Russian Institute of Columbia. And that phrase has stayed in my mind. It's, it's so true. That which does not expand contracts. If the government does not keep expanding, it contracts. By the way, it's true about love. If love doesn't expand, it contracts. I mean, it's really, it's an interesting truism about life. That which does not expand contracts. The more power government has, the more it will be used as a police state. That is just the way it is. It's inevitable. The EU does it. European countries do it. Do you know that in Germany, it is forbidden by law to homeschool your children? And you know that the Biden administration just sent back a German family that came to America to homeschool their children? Millions upon millions of people can come in illegally. But a a truly persecuted family is sent back to Germany. The powers of the state are expanding at a rate that has never been seen in American history. And it began with Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson was a terrible combination of a Democrat and a college president. I can't think of a stupider combination. The man was an enormous fool and had no problem expanding the government. You realize the damage to this country the Democratic Party has done from its inception? It was the pro-slavery party. The Democratic Party's record is one of hurting blacks from its inception to today. That's one one of its features. It has hurt black Americans. Had there been no Democratic Party two variations of a Republican Party, blacks would have fared much better. That's all, that's all it's done, the Democratic Party, by and large, is damage. And there were some terrific people. Harry Truman was terrific, for example, in many ways. Expanding the government. That's why I became a Republican It was one statement of Ronald Reagan. The government is not the solution, it's the problem. When people tell us at PragerU that we've changed their lives in five minutes, because our videos are all five minutes, I realize, hey, listen, how long does it take to say the government is not the solution, it's the problem? Two seconds? My life was changed in two seconds. When you hear truths rationally presented and they resonate with you, you're changed. Since I hate evil, I realize, whoa, 90% of the evil of the 20th century, the bloodiest century in human history, was done by big governments. Isn't it amazing how that nobody ever says that? How about this? Big secular governments. Whoa, that's a shockeroo. Thought religion was the big problem. Well, some sometimes it is, by the way. A, a certain chunk of the Islamic world has embraced evil. 
100,000 people demonstrated in London on behalf of Hamas. 100,000. Most of them, parents or they, came from the Middle East. I warned about that when it happened. Angela Merkel led the crusade to bring them in. Because, basically, Germany is always wrong. Despite a lot of individual wonderful people. This is a difficult subject I'm addressing now because I'm a Jew and it's it's painful for me to acknowledge that a certain percentage of American Jews are leftists, not even liberal. And I do it because truth is everything. Everything. I've said all of my life, the test is can you criticize your own? If you can't criticize your own group, if Catholics can't criticize the Pope, if blacks can't criminal, uh, if blacks can't uh, criticize the, the the lack of fathers in black life and the disproportionate criminality it breeds, then you're 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 not you're not a seriously moral person. I mean the. It, the list is endless of people having to criticize their own. It's not easy, but that's what truth demands. And I raise it because the L.A. Times and New York Times both have. Is the is the New York Times piece on the front page? Do you know? Uh, it was yesterday. I'm not sure. It was yeah, before. I don't know if it was. Uh, it was yesterday, so it's the biggest paper Sunday. Interesting. So the article is, on Israel, progressive Jews feel abandoned by their left-wing allies. Well, why the hell did progressive Jews ever think the left was their ally? The left is despicable. Now all of a sudden, they turn out to be despicable? God, the naivete. As the Hamas attacks... In Israel, we're still underway. This is from the New York Times. I'm amazed that they published this, frankly. Leaders of the New Israel Fund, which supports progressive Israeli and Palestinian groups, fielded calls from a former American ally on the left demanding that the organization label Israel an apartheid state, even as they waited to learn if colleagues in another organization hiding in Israeli bomb shelters had been killed. (laughs) Oh, God. So all these years, oh, dear progressive fellow Jew, oh, dear progressive Jew, all these years that they libeled Israel, a libel as great as the as the blood libel of the Middle Ages, that Jews killed Christian children and used their blood to bake matzah for Passover. The apartheid state is on that level of of national libel. Then the left was okay. They didn't start labeling Israel an apartheid state last week. So you were okay with that, progressive left Jews? You were okay with their supporting that girls get their breasts off if they say they're boys? You were okay with guys saying they're girls competing in female sports? You were okay with all black dormitories and all black graduations? 
You were okay with calling America systemically racist? That was okay? Now, all of a sudden, you've discovered they're despicable? By the way, it won't even last. I I truly believe it. I think most left-wing American Jews will, over time, forgive the evil of the left because they have no home because they've been brainwashed into thinking conservatism and right-wing and Republican. They're the real enemies, not the left. Many of the most inflammatory comments came on social media from progressive groups that responded to the immediate aftermath of the massacre of Israeli civilians. By the way, it's the New York Times. I'm surprised they're using the word massacre. They don't use terrorists. They're militants. By skipping even a moment of mourning and instead moving immediately to try to justify the attack. Yes, of course the left justifies the attack. Because it's a sick moral world, the left. (laughs) Oh my God. It's painful. It is. When a people have been subject to decades of apartheid and unimaginable violence, unimaginable violence, really unimaginable violence, their resistance must not be condemned but understood as a desperate act of self-defense. Black Lives Matter Los Angeles posted on Facebook in its first response to the attack. Black Lives Matter is a despicable organization. I've said it from the beginning. Not one progressive Jew said that. They thought BLM is a good group of people. Shame on you. A reproductive rights group sharply criticized, quote, the Zionist occupation. Yes, well, that's interesting. The reproductive rights group. I understand people who are pro-choice. I don't understand people who don't think most abortions are immoral. That's when you've lost your conscience. The reproductive rights group sharply criticized the Zionist occupation, saying that the Israeli government denied, quote, Palestinians control over their bodies. What does that mean? There can be no justice, peace, or reproductive freedom underneath colonial occupation. That's what a a pro-choice group announced. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe there is some moral uh, gap absence, lacuna, on the reproductive rights left. Maybe, just maybe, the notion that it's not a human life if the woman carrying the child doesn't want it, but it is a human life if she wants it. How is that logical? Is there any other example in the world where one person determines whether another is a human? Give me another give me an example of that. Well, I wonder how many progressive American Jews will start questioning the left. I suspect not many.
sorry. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hello, everybody. Dennis Prager here. My guest is a man named J.J. Kimchi, or that's his name. Many people seeing it will say Kimchi. And he uh, is a Brit who wrote a piece in the Wall Street Journal, Harvard Shrugs at a Jew Hatred. The university's response to students who excuse Hamas is belated and weak. He himself is getting his doctorate at Harvard. And I'd like to tell you two interesting things about this piece. Let me read to you the last paragraph and tell you I always look at comments, as you know. And in this case, in the Wall Street Journal on the Internet, there are 2,672 comments. That is an astonishingly high number. He obviously hit a nerve with his piece. As a grandson of an Auschwitz survivor and a student of German-Jewish history, I was always incredulous that highly cultured Germans, the people of Goethe and Beethoven, could have displayed sympathy and even enthusiasm for the Nazi slaughter of the Jews. Now I believe it. I have seen it happen here. That's right. He has sympathy and enthusiasm for the slaughter of Jews. Every pro-Palestinian demonstration is about that. You can live in denial because that's a comfortable place and people seek comfort. J.J. Kibhi, welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Whenever I have an academic on who has... <clears throat> critiqued his or her university, my first question is, how have the people at the university reacted to you? Um, So far, I've heard nothing from the administration. Um, I think that they are much more concerned, I imagine, by the various donors that have pulled out from Harvard recently, uh, as well as a letter that I just saw released on social media by the governor of Maryland, who said that he is not anymore coming to be a fellow at Harvard uh, this semester, which he was supposed to be at the Kennedy School, uh, because of the rampant anti-Semitism on campus. I imagine that those are much more pressing issues uh, for the Harvard uh, president and administration. Um, Secondly, I would say that I imagine they won't, I imagine that I won't officially be reprimanded or I won't receive 
you know, uh, um, threats or, or any kind of a reaction from them officially uh, for the simple reason that I've been to demonstrations on campus um, by the graduate student union when they are, um, you know, trying to negotiate better conditions, let's say, and they strike and they have demonstrations and they say the most appalling things about Harvard. I mean, at those demonstrations, they say things like Harvard fosters a rape culture, Harvard, um, you know, Harvard doesn't care about, you know, black and brown students and all sorts of things like that, which I don't think are true at all. And of course, they receive no adverse uh, reaction from the university administration. So I would hope that the university don't mind my critiquing them on something which I feel is a genuine, of genuine moral importance and at a very, very important moment in the university's history. By the way, while you were talking and I heard every word, I... Uh... I've learned how to do this. I looked up. I did not know about the Maryland governor issue. So mm -hmm. it's former Maryland governor Larry Hogan sure. withdraws from participating in upcoming Harvard fellowship. So I just wanted people to, to know what that was about. It was uh, Larry Hogan. Are you familiar with Larry Hogan? Is, was he a Democrat? No, no. He's a Republican, but uh, very... Uh, 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 mild, mild Republican. Well, you can't be the governor of Maryland if you're a serious Republican. Okay, but nevertheless, he's not a Democrat. It was so surprising to me that a Democratic governor, former or present, would do that. And sure enough, I turned out, uh, my hunch turned out to be right. So actually, my question to you was not primarily about the administration. It was about fellow students in your case or faculty. Did you get any feedback um, in terms of fellow students, I received dozens upon dozens of emails from, from Jewish students saying, thank you for saying the things that I can't say, that I would face serious repercussions if I said in public. Thank you for, for, for saying what, what needs to be said. Um, in terms of faculty, there has been two faculty members who have reached out um, um, with, with praise, with glowing remarks, um, and that's it. I haven't had any other... Um, Are you free to mention right. their names? I'd rather not, uh, because okay, I, so I imagine they would rather me not. All right. Well, that gives one an idea of the state of our universities and the state of Harvard, specifically in this instance. I don't think Harvard is worse yes. than Yale. I think it's impossible to, to descend to the depths of Yale, but Harvard is, I agree. is trying. But uh, that in and of itself is fascinating, that... You're right. I'm not. This is not a critique of you. It's a critique of of the world in which we live. JJ, if I may call you that, you said you said Please. off before the show. You've been called that since you were eight days of age. And by the way, I know why. Because at eight days of age, you got your name. Right before that, you were called the ba the baby. <laughs> Indeed. Right. <laughs> Tied in Jewish circles. Exactly. That. So uh, the. The fact that this exists, let me, a quick anecdote for you. Uh, what, for a couple of years, yeah, not a couple of years, for most of the Trump era, I, I'm recognized frequently at airports. That's, that's where I circulate among the public the most. People would come over to me and look around before they would talk to me and then say, I just want you to know I agree with you. And I thought, do you know the last time people looked around before they talked to me was when I would visit the Soviet Union. I speak Russian, so people uh, knew I was American, and they would look around, is anybody watching me talk to you? This is America. 
in, in the middle of the 21st century, and you, and you have it at Harvard. So the Jewish students who reached out to you, they said the same thing. The, there will be repercussions if they say what you say. But if there were no repercussions to you, why do they fear repercussions? Um, so I will say a couple things. Firstly, it's different for undergraduate students because they depend very much on their peers uh, for their social life, for, for the classes. They live in dormitories with these peers. They live, you know, as, as most universities, just down the hall from all these sorts of, uh, of fellow students. And therefore, the approval of their fellow students is important for their whole college experience and, for the, I, I would say, for their basic safety. Um, for me, firstly, I'm a doctoral student. Secondly, I'm already married. And I don't depend on the campus for my social life. I don't depend on the, the uh, I don't depend on, really depend on the approval of my colleagues to write my dissertation. I just need to write my dissertation. Um, and, and also, I feel that this is, a, I, I tell you something, before this, before these atrocities that occurred two weeks ago, I was not by nature a very combative or outspoken sort of person. I, I didn't delve into, I didn't dive into these political issues. That's not really what I've been about. I've been at Harvard, I've been a student, I've been trying to, um, you know, make my way academically and, and, you know, almost all my activity has been academic. These past couple of weeks, I think this is a moment of such gravity and such importance that it, you just cannot stay silent anymore. You just can't. It, it's just, it is irresponsible not to, not to state, firstly, what's going on in the world, and secondly, what's going on on the university campuses. It's just appalling. And if we don't fight this, this will become the standard. And that's the end of Jewish, vibrant Jewish life on university campuses in this country. We cannot permit this to happen. That's fascinating that you were not, you're not by nature an activist. No. So, you know, it's very interesting on another ground. Many people have said to me, and it had to be many, because if I heard it once, I wouldn't have remembered it. But many people have said to me, when I've asked them about their evolution politically and socially, they have said, I'm a 9-11 conservative. And it's a fascinating term. 9-11 changed them. So here we have October 7th, in effect, changed you. Not that you were, uh, you were conservative before, I assume not, but that's beside the point. You were not an activist. You were not, yes, yeah, you right. were not, you would not have written I, I now understand what happened in Germany looking at Harvard. I mean, it's an astonishing statement for you to make. It, it is absolutely an astonishing statement. I'll tell you the following. Um, us religious Jews, so we uh, who kept two days of, uh, of the festival here in, um, yeah, outside Israel, so we all turned our phone on Sunday night on the 8th of October after the end of Simchat Torah, after the end of the festival, and we all saw then what we'd only heard rumors about, the terrible, terrible images and the atrocities and the sheer numbers and the scale of it. I mean, we couldn't believe it. It was something absolutely beyond belief. And, and you know, I, along with everyone else I knew, uh, you know, was suffering and grieving. That all right, moment. hold on there. But, forgive, but, it. forgive me. We have to take a break. That's what makes radio possible. J.J. Kimchi of Harvard will be back with him. My guest is J.J. Kimchi, K-I-M-C-H-E. He's a doctoral student at Harvard. He is, as you can hear, a Brit. And he has a piece 
or had a piece in the Wall Street Journal, which was very powerful and very depressing. Harvard Shrugs at Jew Hatred. That's the title. And his ending is, is quite sobering. So I asked him, well, actually, uh, you, J.J., were talking about your own evolution. You, are n- you were not an activist prior to October 7th, 2023. So continue. Yes, 100%. So I was, I was just stating the sort of, I was, I was um, outlining the moment for many Jews, uh, certainly the, the Jews who observed the, the festival, uh, the second half of Sukkot. And so Sunday morning, the atrocities happen. And Sunday and Monday, we start hearing about the atrocities and, you know, in trickles, rumors come into the synagogue. We're not sure. We hear large numbers. We don't really know the full degree or the full horror of what's going on. And then Monday evening, after the festival ends, we turn on our phones because we can't use communication devices on the festival. And so, as I was saying, firstly, I, along with everyone else, see the full extent of the horror, the butchery, the savagery, the sheer animalism of, of, of these murderers. Of the trustees, and of course, you know our hearts break, and and we are absolutely shocked. We've never seen anything like this in our lives. But for me, and for my fellow students, there was an extra level of sadness and outrage that night, which was when we turned on our Twitter feed and we turned on our news feeds, and we see that our fellow students haven't condemned this. On the contrary, they have justified it, they have celebrated it, they have uh, framed it as a necessary step of decolonization. They have identified themselves with it and the university administrations have stayed silent. That was the moment that myself and I think many other Jewish students, something snapped in our mind. Something I would say even go as far as to say radicalized us at that moment because we realized the true extent of what we were facing and the true nature of our enemy on our own campuses. That's what happened two weeks ago. Why is there no, or maybe there was and I didn't know of it, pro-Israel demonstration at Harvard? There have been some pro-Israel, um, there have been some pro-Israel demonstrations or showings. There was a vigil that on, on Monday night, and there, was a, there had been one or two pro-Israel elements. But there are a few problems. Number one is that those generally who are not of the far left are much worse at organizing and at being loud and noisy. There's something about um, those on, on the left wing of the, of the political spectrum who are very good at organizing, at, um, at showing up, at yelling loudly, at making a noise, um, at getting their friends to come along. This is something they do all the time. Uh, those who are not, or those who are pro-Israel, those who are pro-the West, pro-America, um, generally not nearly as good as, uh, at that. Um, that's one issue. Uh, another issue is numbers on the campus. Uh, and I think actually safety as well on the campus in the sense that I think there are many rank-and-file students at Harvard who um, are, in fact, somewhat pro-Israel or, or at least somewhat sympathetic to Israel, but wouldn't show their face at a pro-Israel demonstration, again, for fear of being classed as pro-Israel, which in, in some departments and in some academic discourse is akin to identifying yourself with the oppressor. My silence is uh, grief. <laughs> yes. I'm obviously considerably older than you. When I was a student, undergraduate, it was the Six-Day War. And everybody, I mean, the campus was so pro-Israel. The 
television was so pro-Israel that one of the commentators, it was amazing to me, it was a, a general actually, said we when he meant Israel. Uh, it, it, the the devolution is astonishing. So there is a piece uh, in the Wall Street Journal. What is the date? October twenty two. What is today's the twenty third? So it's today's physical edition. Yesterday on the internet, war destroys leftist orthodoxies. Those defending Hamas in the name of anti colonialism are being discredited, and sure enough. <laughs> this is today's Wall Street Journal. Where did these people get such ideas? The universities. Here's an introductory level EMR, Ethnicity Migration Rights class, at Harvard. <laughs> Quote, global rebellion, race, solidarity, and decolonization. The course discusses how, quote, to rebel against global white supremacy. I found similar courses at Yale, Princeton, Stanford, Duke, and other top schools. Another Harvard colonialism course studies decoloniality. I got to admit, you got to give the left credit. They, their dictionary of new terms, which sounds like a made-up academic term that turns out to involve anti-oppression and de-westernizing. So it's so interesting. This is therefore my question. Do you think Harvard has suffered anything transcending a few months in its reputation? Um, so firstly, can I say, with regarding to, to what, I haven't read that particular piece in the Wall Street Journal, but my answer to that is I wish. I wish that they will suffer the decredit, the, the, the sort of, um, plummeting of their credit that this writer seems to believe, because actually, uh, I think that certainly on campuses, this, they, they, in the eyes of some, they've been discredited, but in the eyes of many, they simply have confirmed themselves as battling the global, you know, quote unquote, colonizers, the West, the evil, uh, you know, the evil white people. That's who they pitch themselves as battling against. And they see this as, yeah, oh, this is simply part of the battle. And it is astonishing that the, the education at elite universities has reached this terrible level. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so I am much more pessimistic than that particular writer. And I think that, yes, in many circles, hopefully, Harvard and, and many other elite schools have suffered, you know, a plummeting of their reputation. But actually, in many other circles, they will simply be seen as, oh, yeah, this is the, the tip of the spear in confronting global injustice or some such nonsense. Um, if you'll permit me, I have a very brief overview in my mind. Good. You, I do the, permit the, you, and you'll do it when we come back. J.J. Kimchi's piece is up at DennisPrager.com. He is a Harvard graduate student. I'm curious about, among my listeners, do you think Harvard and other elite universities have been hurt uh, anything near permanence, believe it or not, and you know I never say things to make you feel good, I think they have. Harvard student J.J. Kimchi wrote a piece, a very, uh, when you think about it, a very sad piece. The, the, 
It's about the decline of the universities in general, but his his case, Harvard. There is a, as I wrote in my column as soon as it happened, the if you are not aware of the fact that they have the same ends the Nazis did of wiping out the Jews of Israel like the Nazis did, intend to wipe out the Jews of Europe, then you have decided to lie to yourself. There's really one difference between Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran, and the Nazis. The Nazis hid their intentions. The, these people don't. And when you see the amount of support on campuses, this is part of what J.J. Kimchi is writing about. So I asked you, do you think there will be a, a long-lasting effect on the name of Harvard and other universities, and you said you don't think so. Normally, I agree with pessimistic views of human nature, uh, although my listeners know I don't care about pessimism or optimism. I only care if people fight. But nevertheless, I do believe that they have been hurt. Uh, the, a serious number of Americans already had contempt for the university. I am one of them. and But I am one of tens of millions. And this has only increased that number. So you were reacting. Before I do react, I want to um, add a little bit to what you said before. You said there was one difference between the Nazis and Hamas, which is that the Nazis tried to hide what they did, and Hamas didn't, and that's 100% true. I'd like to add there's a second difference between the two, uh, which is that Hamas are fueled by the by the um, by essentially by their religious convictions. They have no problem killing themselves and their families in order to kill Jews. The Nazi soldiers weren't keen to do this. They weren't keen to die in order to kill Jews. Hamas are not only happy to do so; they are ready, willing, and eager to drag down themselves and everything in their environment in or just in order to uh, sow more death and destruction among the Jews. They are more dangerous and worse than the Nazis, and anyone, any reasonable reader of history will confirm this. So That's an excellent that. point. Do you know, and don't forget what we were on, but I love tangents. This is an important tangent. So I will never forget... Oh, this is, I would say, 20 years ago, the New York Times Magazine, when it was worth reading, uh, had an article by someone who visited uh, Hamas and, and uh, Hezbollah, but especially Hamas suicide bomber uh, members, members and, and families. And he said, do you really believe that you will have 72 virgins in heaven? If you kill a Jews, he was, he didn't believe, he thought it was, and by the way, I don't, I don't blame the author. He thought it was largely propaganda that they believed in female rewards if they kill Jews. But it turns out that's exactly one of the things they did believe. So your point is well taken. Okay. Back to the uh, other issue about the reputation. Whether um, Harvard University will, in fact, suffer reputational damage, look, time will tell. Um, it, it is a lamentable fact still that this country and many other countries um, still worship a, a kind of credentialism and that there are some universities that have 
uh, a seemingly unassailable reputation when it comes to to their credentials. Um, and, and the truth is that, look, having been at Harvard for four years and having been to many I other Ivy League universities, there are elements of really excellent scholarship there. And there are elements of, you know, pursuit of truth uh, and pursuit of uh, you know, real worthwhile ends um, in and of themselves. And, and would the university stick to that, they would maintain their deserved reputation among the people. However, there have been a few terrible blights and terrible falsehoods that have been allowed to um, essentially to undermine all their education and to, you know, to seep the poison through much of the universities. And I've seen this myself in the classroom. And it, it seems to me that, there, that, that what has led to this very specific situation, the condemnation of Israel, is what I like to call three central falsehoods, three major falsehoods that, that pervade uh, many of the departments, sadly, in universities today. If you'll permit me, I will give a 30-second overview of each one. Well, when we come back, I don't want you to have back. to interrupt. J.J. Okay. Kimchi's piece in the Wall Street Journal is up at DennisPrager.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.